Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my Living the Sky Life Facebook page or Instagram account. And let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. Thanks again for tuning in for season two of Living the Sky Life. This week's incredible guest in my Profiling of Authors uh, series is Catherine Hughes. Catherine comes from a small town southeast of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, is the daughter of two English professors, and is the mother to Christian, who is um, a young adult living on the autism spectrum. She is a passionate advocate, innovative storyteller, and community strategist. Catherine is an international best-selling author and or editor of multiple books, including It's Going to Be All Right, Testimonies from Awesome Women Raising Awesome People, You Are Not Alone, Stories, Resources, and Hope from Autism Moms, several books in the Made to Overcome series, and she most recently published her long-awaited a memoir in August of 2020 called Imprisoned No More, A Mother and Son Embrace Autism and Journey to Freedom. It's an excellent book. I've read it cover to cover, and um, I encourage you to read it. We'll talk about all of her various publications, all of her work that she's doing. She has been a blogger of The Caffeinated Advocate since 2018, and at the same time her new book was coming out, she decided to add to her plate and found um, the company called The Caffeinated Advocate, LLC, where she is the chief inspirational officer. So please enjoy my conversation with Katherine Hughes. So today's guest on Living the Sky Life is another um, mom author and as part of my author series for season two. So please welcome to the podcast, Katherine Hughes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm good. I know you're a very busy woman right now, having just published another book um, just a week or so ago. So we'll get into all of that. Um, but I kind of wanted to start out just in general about your writing and why you decided, decided to start your blog in, um, was it 2018 that you started Caffeinated Advocate? Yeah, I started the Caffeinated Advocate in February 2018. And why, was it just a blog about your life at that point? Um, why did you decide to start putting some of your personal life out there? <laughs> sure, the absolutely. So um, I've been in the field of behavioral health since 2003. Everything I've done with my career, and I like to call it a calling rather than a career, but um, I've been doing this since 2003, all inspired by my son, Christian. Christian is 22 years old now diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, of course, on the autism spectrum back in 2001. And I entered the field in 2003, truly because I wanted to give back to other families like ours. We had built this incredible village of educators and therapists and all of these amazing people. And they inspired me to want to do something more for our families. And one of my goals was to be that voice at the other end of the phone that said, you're not alone and there's hope and that there's help. So I started that in 2003 and I really started sharing my story very quickly with trainings and supervisions with the staff and started doing support groups and some trainings for families. And the more I started to share my personal story, 
I realized that I needed to do more. And I continued to do things you know, in the community and presentations, both local and at the state level. And again, the more I shared, the more I wanted to put out there. Um, going backwards a little bit, I've always had the writing bug. Um, I am the daughter of two English professors. Um, one of them was, um, my dad was a poet and mom was the nonfiction editor. So I come by the writing very naturally. Um, I was a girl that was always on the school paper and the college paper, and I really enjoyed writing. At one point, I was a journalism major, but then something happened. And when I say something happened, it's called I gave birth to Christian. So that kind of, you know, way late. <laughs> a, a little, yeah, just, you know, li little sidestep there. So, so my journey went a different way. And, you know, of course, with Chris getting diagnosed with autism in 01 and then taking some time off, I wasn't sure, you know, well, what direction am I going to go in now? But when I got into the field and started, you know, sharing and giving back, I realized more and more. I have this huge story to tell. And I would continue to share, you know, throughout my work, but I got to a point where I said, I, I want to do more. I want to do even more than I'm doing, you know, throughout my work at the agency that we all worked together at at the time. And I was thinking about blogging for years, but I never quite got to it until 2018. I just never sat down and made that time. I just continued to share through my work. But as Christian got older and I realized we just have so many chapters, so many things to share that are of benefit, I didn't want to just do this as part of my work. I wanted to do this as creating this worldwide outreach to find parents truly all over the world that needed to hear our story. So I created the blog in 2000 or 2018. And then in 2019, I was approached about a collaboration and I got, you know, those butterflies and jitters and, you know, all of those things, like I'm sure you felt putting together your book. And I said, is this for real? Could, could I really be a published author? I thought you had to wait to be approached by some major publisher and, <laughs> you know, someone needs to come ask for my story. But then I learned about self-publishing and realized, well, holy cow, I can have control of my writing. I can have control of the book. I don't have to adhere to someone else's timelines. And... I can really do this. I really can. That's awesome. Well, the yeah. what was, um, before we get into your most recently published book, mm -hmm. what were some of the other um, books that you've written so that I can, of course, link up all your work so that people sure. can find it? Um, yeah. Yeah, what was your first publication? So the first one I was part of, it's called, It's Going to Be All Right, and All Right is spelled with an A-U for autism, It's Going to Be All Right. And that was the first collaboration that I was a part of with other parents. Um, later that year, I was asked to be part of a series called, um, it was originally called Made for More, now it's called Made to Overcome, we changed the name of it. And there are several books in that series that are related to mental health and trauma and anxiety and addiction and recovery and um, caregiving and single parenting. So there's a whole series of books. Some of them I have co-authored chapters and others I served as the editor. I was also the editor for a mental health book earlier this year called Mental Health Disability Perception Versus Reality. And then as I've been working on both In Prison No More and I was a part of another collaboration with Mailing Chan of Exceptional Ed and Exceptional Leaders, it's called Becoming an Exceptional Leader. That released in early August, and then my book released on August 23rd. So I had two in one month, was was a little crazy. Yeah, I can also, imagine. Yeah, <laughs> also because I just finished editing another book that is going to be released on September 26th, and it's by an adult with autism who speaks about her experiences in the workplace. It's called From the Inside Out, an Autistic Person's 
um, journey to creating inclusive employment opportunities. Well, so I can't I've wait been to read that. That's it's cool. amazing. It's all about her journey through, you know, finding her place really in a workplace environment and building diversity opportunities and inclusion. So I've been doing all of these projects at the same time and you know, they fulfill me, they give me joy, they give me purpose. And what's really great about being a part of collaborations is for those who are new to writing and really want to get their story out there and you know, maybe some of them have been blogging or they have a social media platform, but being a part of a collaboration kind of gets your feet wet, if you will, with publishing. So it's not that you have to worry about, you know, a certain word count or you have to have this many hundreds of pages. You can start to put your story out there and then you build your audience. And then once you finally get used to that, then it's, hey, maybe it's not so hard to do maybe 10 more chapters, 15 more chapters and put it together in my own story. So that's really kind of how my journey has evolved with writing. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. Well, you're obviously passionate about it. I mean, not yeah. just the, the cause and then the topic, but um, mm -hmm. just with writing and combining your two loves. So I think yes. that's, that's incredible. So obviously let's dive into Imprison No More. Uh, it was yeah. such a good book. And um, I wrote your review on Amazon uh, yesterday. Oh, and uh, uh, yeah, those Amazon reviews are, are crucial, aren't they? <laughs> yes. Um, but I just, you know, when I was writing and I was thinking to myself, there were so many things I wanted to say. When I was reading your book, I was so angry at some mm -hmm. of the judgment, well, all of the judgment and all of those things that we're still kind of experiencing now. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to give too much away about the book so that people go out and buy it and read it. Um, but can you give a little bit of an overview um, of, of the book, maybe like a teaser and description so people can know what they're, they're getting when they head out to Absolutely. Amazon and purchase your book? Absolutely. So first of all, let me start with saying Imprison No More is something that I've been working on for almost 20 years. And when some people hear that, they go, that, that's absolutely insane. How in the <laughs> world did it take you that long? But, you know, being that you have read it, you can see exactly what happened to my family and the traumatic incident that led to Christian's diagnosis. It wasn't a traditional path. And because of that, there were so many experiences that I had to relive. And if you think back um, to the chapters you read, the first, the second, the third, and see what it took to get my son the diagnosis that he needed and that I was seeking for about a year and a half, it was so traumatic for me to relive that. And every time I'd start to write about it, I would stop because I just couldn't go there. I wasn't ready. I wasn't healed. And I needed to truly finally come to you know, a peace and a comfort with that and realize everything does happen for a reason and, you know, be grateful for what happened, even though it was, again, super traumatic. But what happened was leading up to that diagnosis with this incident is what led him to getting diagnosed so quickly. I would have sat on waiting lists for months and months before getting him the diagnosis that I so desperately sought for him and then to subsequently get him the services he needed. So I talk about that incident and the lead up to the diagnosis and kind of some of that aftermath um, in the first part of the book. It's a three-part book. The first one is about the incident. The second part is really about self-care. It's a gift from me to parents and caregivers, all about truly giving yourself grace and taking care of ourselves because when we're not at our best, we can't be at our best for our loved ones. And I'll give your listeners another teaser quote from the book. I talk about how if we cannot breathe, it is our loved ones who suffocate. Mm -hmm. And if you stop and think about that, that it's really powerful. 
when we're the ones who are suffocating and we are giving and giving and giving and we have nothing left, how do we expect to be able to continue to give to our families and our loved ones who so many of them truly depend on us, right? Yeah. So we have to take care of ourselves. So when I, I struggled for years also with the purpose and length of in prison no more. I struggled with, do I need to do a life's history of everything we've been through? Or what do my readers truly need to hear? And what I felt they needed to hear was how did we get to this diagnosis? How did we overcome the incident? What do parents and caregivers need to hear when they get this diagnosis? And you know, some of them may need to read this years into the diagnosis and supporting their loved ones. Maybe they're still struggling with the grief cycle and they're you know, on that roller coaster every day. And you know, some days are really hard and some days are easier, but we need to take care of ourselves. So that's really the second part of the book. And then the third is about where we are today. I call it from behind bars to behind communities. So that's another hint as to how we got to that diagnosis. And if you want to learn more, of course, you'll have to order In Prison No More, which is available <laughs> on Amazon in Kindle and paperback, or you can DM me and you can order an autographed copy. So that is the summary of what In Prison No More holds for readers. Yeah, you know, and it's funny too. I um, one of the things I took away from it is kind of what you just said um, mm -hmm. early into your description is that mm -hmm. you know had you had you not gone through everything that you did, you wouldn't have gotten the diagnosis. Yeah. and it's it takes years. I, I don't want people to think that you know we both have older children on the spectrum that mm -hmm. it just comes to you that you're forgiving and that you see a bigger picture and the purpose mm -hmm. behind things so quickly. You know, mm -hmm. as I mentioned in my book too, it took me years to get yeah. through the anger that I had with God and the frustration mm -hmm. and the why me's and mm -hmm. just, just the whole unfairness of everything that's going on. And I'm sure you could have very easily been a very bitter person for a long time. You had justification to be that way because yes. of everything that you went through. So yes. to see it now and to be able to put your story out there for the masses to read and to have the attitude that you have now and using it to help other people, I think is huge. It's just a huge um, perspective shift, you know, that you've, that you've had. So, you know, thank you for sharing that part. At oh, least. you're welcome. Um, you know, and the other thing I feel like I took away from it too is that this book is not just for families with someone on the spectrum or a, someone with a special needs child. Mm -hmm. It really needs to be read by people that don't have experience with anyone on the spectrum or with special mm -hmm. needs because of the judgment part of it. Yes. I mean, Absolutely. we all go into the communities with our kids and they may have a meltdown and our parenting is judged nonstop. Everything oh. we say and do yes. is judged, which you obviously talk about in great length in the book. Um, I just would hope that people would seek to understand if our child is having a meltdown in a restaurant or somewhere and ask us if we need anything instead of, yes. you know, judging us and, you know, taking right. it too far. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I still struggle with that, Lori, to this day. I, you know, I try to shift my mindset and, you know, be grateful and be graceful. And some days that's really hard. Um, Christian has had um, some employment snags over the past few months. Um, mm -hmm. And he actually, as we're recording this, he has a big interview this morning. I'm crossing my fingers that this goes well for him and he, you know, secures a position that he absolutely deserves. But we've definitely had some moments recently where, you know, I'm clenching my fists and gritting my teeth and going, this is so unfair. People just still don't get it. Mm -hmm. 
there are so many that still don't get it. And that's why I hope they pick up my book, pick up your book and get a glimpse into our journey and realize that the Christians and scholars of the world have so much to give and there's so much we can learn from them. And there's so much they can learn from our journey. And sometimes it's like you said, it's all it takes is that person to come up to you and instead of judging and saying, what's wrong with you? Say, how can I help? What can I do? Are you okay? And in my situation that led to Christian's diagnosis, I did not get that. I had the finger pointing and the stares and the people that made me feel like not only that I was a terrible mother, but that I should just crawl in a hole and stay there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and with, um, you know, Christian's uh, good luck to his job interview. I'll cross my fingers too. Um, (laughs) Everything that you've gone through with him, you know, he's in a different place than my Skylar is. Um, But can you tell me a little bit about just job interviews for him and what Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I wonder if kids that are higher functioning or young adults that are higher functioning Mm -hmm. that can go to job interviews, Mm -hmm. is it recommended by you or have people said they should say up front, I'm on the autism spectrum? Should they be proactive about that or not? How does that work? That's such a powerful question, Lori. And in two other interviews I did this week, we talked about this. How do we talk to our um, loved ones, not just about their autism, but how do they self-advocate, right? So it's, it's very hard for us as mothers to pass that torch. It, it's still hard for me. There are so many times that I just want to jump in and say something. So to give you an example, he had sent someone uh, his resume last week. And when he was told to send his resume, he took a picture on his phone and then he texted it to that person rather than, you know, send it through email with a couple gotcha. of sentences. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm like, no, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. And, you know, so that's one example. And you know, Christian and I have had these discussions through the years about, you know, when do you disclose and when do you not disclose? And there are times that he is comfortable and he's proud to say, you know, I'm an autistic adult. And he does identify as autistic. He doesn't say I'm a person with autism. And it took a while to get him to that point. He didn't always say, I am someone with autism or I am an autistic adult or I am an autistic student because there was a time he didn't want to be associated and he just wanted to be, you know, I'm Christian, I'm just me. But he has gotten to a point where he wants people to accept and he wants people to understand. So oftentimes he will disclose, but sometimes he won't. And it's very situation dependent, whether or not he will come forth and talk about his diagnosis and how it affects him. I have definitely recommended it because I believe that that's, you know, the way that legally he can ask for accommodations that are reasonable. So I push that with him, but at the same time, I've had to get myself to a point where I can step back and that I can let him make, you know, new mistakes as they say, because that's the only way he's going to learn. And some of those lessons are very hard. And as a mother, that's hard for me to watch. And, you know, there's some moments where I'm like, Chris, I know what I'm talking about. I work in the field and I'm your mom. Like, hello, I really can help you with this. But there are times he's also said to me, I've got to do this myself, mom. Let me do this. One day he texted me and in big capital letters, he goes, I've got this. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> step, step, stepping back slowly whistling, walking backwards. That, that's so hard. You know, it's so hard, but disclosure is such a personal choice that you know, it's really up to the individual. But I do believe that if you do disclose, then, you know, again, you can ask for those accommodations and, you know, maybe it's a means of educating the workplace and helping it become more diverse 
and yeah. more inclusive and more accepting. It seems like it would be hard because if you, you know, fully disclosed um, mm -hmm. that you might need accommodations, mm -hmm. sadly, people could pass you over for a job. And then if you don't disclose and then you are struggling because you didn't ask for accommodations in some mm -hmm. way, they'll mm -hmm. think that you're, you know, inept at your job and that you, you know, will be terminated or whatever, because right. they're like, why didn't you tell me that? I would have helped you, but now it's past the point and I need to let you go or whatever. I just, right. I think it'd be so challenging. Mm -hmm. It, it yeah. really is. And I'll tell you about something else that I mentioned at the end of the book. And I, I don't mind disclosing this because I've spoken about it openly and I have a blog post about it on the caffeinated advocate. Right. So at the end of the book, I mentioned that Christian had secured a job with the postal service, which we were all so excited because he did this completely on his own. He was working somewhere else at the time. He was a food service worker in a senior Medicaid facility. It was actually the same facility where my father had passed away 11 years ago. So it was a place that held special meaning to us. And that's part of the reason he pursued a position there. Well, there were people in the workplace who quite honestly just, some of them were people that just need to retire or find another job because they, they just hate their job and they kind of projected that onto Chris and, you know, would be either crabby around him and bring him down or they'd say things like, you're not good enough, you're not fast enough, you're not this, you're not that. So he started seeking other employment and he applied for the postal service, took the exam online during COVID, of course, and he gets this letter about orientation and it was at that point that my mother and I realized oh my gosh he went out and he completely did this himself with very little support from his job coach so he did secure a position with the postal service now what happened from that point is he attended three days of orientation and then on the fourth day he was told he was going to quote air quote learn to drive the mail truck well learning to drive the mail truck was telling the person with autism who had been driving less than two years to sit on the other side of a large vehicle, larger than he had ever driven before, and was told, here, parallel park this. <sighs> no training, no warning. You know, think, you know, sensory perspective. I mean, me, I still get chills when I think about, oh my God, if that were me, what would I have done? <sighs> and he was just handed the keys and said, here you go, here's your test. Well, obviously that, that didn't end well. Um, he didn't hit anything, thank goodness. But I mean, I think I would have, I would have taken out the mailbox, <laughs> but, yeah. but it didn't go well. And they called him into the office at the end of the day, the HR office. And they said, at this point, we need to separate you and we cannot continue your training because you didn't pass this part of orientation. At no point when he was offered this position, was he told that there were more stipulations for the position in order to move forward. So he left a union job with benefits, even though, again, he was frustrated where he was, but he left a union job with benefits just to start what he thought was a dream job because my father was a mail carrier. So again, you can see how all these personal ties go back to why Chris does what he wants to do with his life. And he was just, he had the shut, the shut door in his face. It was just, that's it, you're done. And he was devastated. He was so disappointed and couldn't understand what he did wrong. One of my first questions after this happened was, Chris, did you disclose your diagnosis? And he said to me, well, mom, I told the guy I was training with that I was on the spectrum. And I said, did you mention this during your interview? Did you disclose to anyone in HR? Did you ask for accommodations? And he said, no, I really thought I could do it. So it goes to show you how when you don't formally disclose and formally ask for an accommodation, 
how you could be easily pushed into a corner. So with Chris, he did casually mention to someone, yes, I'm autistic, I'm on the spectrum. And could things have gone differently had he formally disclosed? Possibly, we'll unfortunately never know. But I think that's a very powerful example of why disclosure can be so important and how maybe asking for accommodations would have put him in a different situation. Yeah, and why it's hard for moms to back off because I'm sure you, I would have wanted to call the HR lady and say, okay, first of all, you don't know. Right. I, I did. <laughs> I did. I mean, I did do the blog. I actually sent it to the local postmaster in Pittsburgh. Um, there was a legislator who got involved as well, and he reached out to them and they just kind of shrugged their shoulders. And honestly, Lori, considering all of the massive chaos that's going on with the U.S. Postal Service right now, <laughs> I feel like maybe it was he dodged a bullet. Dad was looking down saying, uh-uh, different direction. Yeah. So, oh you know, he continues to interview. He did have something else happen about a month ago where um, the short version is he was offered a position and then it was taken away the next day, all because they said, whoops, we called the wrong person. Sorry, this actually wasn't for you. Good luck. Yeah, I remember that post and I remember yeah. thinking, how many Christians apply for the exact same position to have picked the wrong one? That I is mean, exactly what I said. I'm like... I'm sorry, do you expect me to believe this? Because I don't know that I'm buying it. But again, I feel like that was the universe's way of saying, this isn't right either. Keep going, buddy. And yeah. that day, that day, he was also in a state of shock, overwhelm, of course, tears pouring down. But what really humbled me, Lori, was that my mother called me. And of course, I was at work um, at my office. And she calls me and she says, well, Christian just left. And I said, well, I thought he was pretty upset. You know, are you sure he was in a state to even leave the house if he was that upset? And she said, Kathy, he dried his tears. He picked up a folder and a pen and he just left. So he literally picked himself up within that same hour and left the house to follow up on other opportunities, to put in other applications and to just push on forward. And I don't know about you, but that inspires the living daylights out of me yes. because if it were me, I think, you know, we all kind of revert back to, you know, a couple moments of, Oh, poor pity me. And, uh -huh. you know, being honest, I probably would have grabbed a spoon and a pint of ice cream and turned <laughs> on the TV and crawled under the blanket. Went, ah, I can't take any more today. This fair. is horrible. Yes. It's not fair. Life's not fair. But he, he let it out. He released those emotions. And then he said to himself, well, time to move on. I have so much mad respect for that. Yeah, I mean, that, those are some of the things that, you know, we can't appreciate as well, being on, not being on the spectrum ourselves, mm -hmm. that, right. you know, for, for them, they just, everything is a one moment, a one thing, yeah. and then they move on, and they don't, they just don't treat life the way that we all do, and wallow in our own self-pity, like you said, and right. they just, you know, like, okay, I'll just move on to the next one. I mean, I'm just, I was impressed that he's in an interview this morning. Of everything yeah. that's happened to him in the last month or two, it's like he just keeps moving on. That's awesome. That's good parenting on your part. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, not to say there aren't some things that he perseverates on. I mean, I can't say that he hasn't reminded me of things I've said to him when he was eight years old because he has. <laughs> uh, I, there are things I still hear about to this day, like the time I forced green gluten-free macaroni and cheese on him that had like this weird organic stuff on it. And he's like, you traumatized me for life with that. <laughs> so there's definitely still moments where he reminds me like, yeah, I've had my mess ups as a mom. <laughs> But, you know, it's like you said, sometimes our kids 
a lot of times our kids are able to just release and let it go. And it's just that one and done moment where they can just move on where we tend to, you know, get stuck sometimes and just can't let those things go. I think, you know, that's one of the blessings of the spectrum. One of the beautiful things about the spectrum is sometimes they can release it far faster than we can. Yeah, absolutely. And they always enjoy every day, you know, something, they find something positive in every single day. We should all be so lucky to have a mindset like that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, um, absolutely. So I noticed too that you um, recently, um, I guess, formed your official company um, and you're the CEO and founder of The Caffeinated Advocate. So you took from the blog, um, the Mm -hmm. blog name and all of that, and you formed a company. So kind of tell me the focus and the mission of The Caffeinated Advocate now. So I'm going to be super transparent with you. I'm not sure everything I plan on doing, but I can tell you I've been approached about co-authoring other collaborations, editing other people's projects. I am studying to be a master life coach. I have three out of four courses done, almost done with the fourth, because I'm also approached about coaching and consulting. So I wanted to do something that's kind of outside of my work with Achieving True Self. You can see my see my brand. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted to do something besides the work I do at Achieving True Self and do more with my writing and more with my editing and some more coaching. And the more I'm approached by people about projects, the more I realized I kind of have my own business going. I just never made it official. I just, I have a blog page and I'm more than a blog. The Caffeinate Advocate has grown into so much more. So that's when I decided to bite the bullet, if you will. And I formed the LLC last month and I got my paperwork back and I'm still kind of figuring everything out. But yes, I am the founder. And instead of CEO, I actually call myself the CIO. I call myself the chief inspirational officer because what I I ultimately want to do is continue to inspire hope and help people get their stories out there. So for you know, the parents like us, or people who have recovered from something, people who have overcome a significant challenge, those are the people that continue to flock to me for support, for you know, editing their stories, for helping to publish their stories, do virtual launches for them, and coach them in some way or another. So I'm really looking forward to the business evolving. Again, I'm not sure what all it will look like. It may look totally different than what I envision in the next 12 months, I'm not sure. But I just know that I want to continue to do more. And that's hard, you know, working full time for an ABA provider. It's, you know, sometimes hard to find those pockets of time to focus on my own business. But truly, when you love what you do, it's not work. It's a calling. And I enjoy what I do. It's like, it seems like it all blends together, too. I mean, it's, it's just it really so it's the caffeinated advocate is just kind of a, a big umbrella of multiple projects kind of around the same topics and you know, leadership and speaking and behavioral health counseling and all of yes. that and yes. publishing and editing and all of that. So yeah, I, I looked at your, your website and I'll link that up too. Um, but everything is kind of housed there, which is nice. So people, yeah. if they want to reach out to you, can ask you anything. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Are you willing and to take on this project or this project? <laughs> right. And that's what I say on my page at the very bottom. The question I ask is simply put, what do you need from me? Tell me what you need. What is it that you're looking for for me? How can I help? How can I help you on your journey? Do you need advocacy support? Do you want to write your story? Are you trying to build your own business? Do you need coaching to practice self-care and be your best self? What is it that you need from me? Mm-hmm. 
And whatever that is, I, I will help you. So all of the ways to connect with me are on the caffeinatedadvocate.com. And, you know, again, I know you'll be dropping all of the links, but I have a link to all of my social media platforms, my Amazon author page, which it has the list of every book I've been a part of, except for some of the ones that I've edited just simply because Amazon won't connect them. Damn you, Amazon, but whatever. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. <laughs> They're challenging to work with sometimes. <laughs> I know it, it's so challenging. Um, Amazon is, you know, I got a love hate relationship with them. I can't lie to you, um, but most of the books I've been a part of are on my Amazon author page. And then for those families that are looking for services for their families, um, we support several states through achieving true self. So I linked ATS to the caffeinated awesome. advocate as well, because like you said, it all it all blends. I would not be who I am as a caffeinated advocate without my leadership team at Achieving True Self. And, you know, my mentors are truly like family to me. In fact, the founder of Achieving True Self, Rick Murray, who is a BCBA um, board certified behavior analyst, he actually wrote the foreword for Imprison No More. Yes, I read that. That's yeah. that's who he is. Okay. I was yes. trying to figure out the tie. That him. Yeah, that. that is yeah. the tie. So like you said, it's a complete blend of, you know, I've become who I am you know, truly due to the people around me, I did not go to school to become a social worker or to become right. a therapist or a psychology major. I learned everything I learned from you know, the people that supported my son and the leadership team that I've worked with for over 17 years. So I'm, I'm very blessed to be where I'm at today, thanks to the people around me. Well, I truly feel like our passions and our missions find us. You know, we all they do. set out to college or wherever to do whatever we think we're going to do. I mean, mm -hmm. God forbid I was supposed to be an attorney. <laughs> I, I love like, how you said supposed to be because what, we're, <laughs> what we think we're supposed to do, it is, it's never how we think it's going to go. I but. know. I mean, I can't even imagine my life as a, as a litigator right now. <laughs> I do enough litigation in my own home with my children. And, <laughs> and, and how many times do you win against Skylar? Like what, what's that count out? Right. Yeah. That's a pretty, uh, pretty pass fail. And I usually right. fail at that. He usually gets, <laughs> gets his way. Um, well, so I guess along the lines of, um, all of the groups you've been a part of and, um, mm -hmm. just kind of building your, your village around mm -hmm. you all these years. Um, yeah. I talked to another friend of yours on the podcast, um, that will be airing soon. Um, Christina Abernathy. You guys have both the same confidence and energy. I love talking to you. Um, so I know you guys do a lot of advocating um, yeah. in the Pennsylvania area. Like, so what are some of the projects you guys are a part of and what you're doing? And then you said there's some other states that you're connected with as well. So could you mention those states? Yeah, absolutely. So the strongest advocacy efforts that I'm a part of at this time are in Pennsylvania, even though through Achieving True Self, um, I don't know if Christina mentioned it um, during the podcast, but she works for us as well. She's on my family support team. Um, we support Maryland, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Virginia. But okay. in PA, we're a part of two really strong efforts. So the first one is Changing Spaces Pennsylvania, and Christina is yes. actually the leader of Changing Spaces. So the reason I got involved with that was um, going back to talking about my father who passed away 11 years ago. Um, when Christina started with the campaign to promote powered and height adjustable adult size changing uh -huh. tables in public areas, I remember speaking to her one day and I remember Lori pacing in my backyard talking to her and I was reflecting back and thinking about the last year of my dad's life. My dad had lost the ability to toilet independently. And so he was you know, wearing pull-ups and he was not able to participate in so many community outings with the other residents 
for that reason. So if he were to travel to a baseball game, a picnic pavilion, um, a mall, a movie theater, he couldn't go out into the community for hours for fear he was going to have an accident. And if he needed changed, where would he have gone? Baby changing tables hold babies, 35 yes. pounds max. My dad at the time was over 250 pounds, a lot of which was, he was swelled with water. He was very ill. And because there was nowhere for him to be changed, he would have sat in a dirty pull-up, if you will, for hours, which is not sanitary and totally undignified. So whether we're talking about children with disabilities or adults with disabilities, it's a very, very, very important cause. And I don't know how we've gotten to 2020 without having these accessible restrooms for people to demonstrate this need. This is a basic human right. It's about respect. It's about dignity. I just, I don't know how we're here in this day and age without having a restroom that is inclusive for everybody who needs it. So that is one cause that we are behind, um, not only as advocates ourselves, but our company Achieving True Self is also behind the campaign as well and fully supports it. The second one that I'm a part of is I am a board member on what's called the ABA and PA initiative. And for those listeners that for some reason don't know what ABA is, it's applied behavior analysis. Um, decades of research behind this type of treatment and support for people who not only are on the autism spectrum, but have any wide array of behavioral health disorders, intellectual disabilities, um, some trauma, even eating disorders, diabetics, Alzheimer's, veterans. Applied behavior analysis works for so many populations. So currently in Pennsylvania, there is no licensure for behavior analysts. There is no there's nothing that recognizes the national credential of being a part of the BACB, which is the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. There are many other states that have a licensure for behavior analysts, but Pennsylvania currently does not. What Pennsylvania has is a licensure for behavior specialists, but not analysts. So what that means is it's not fully regulated, and it was also derived from insurance legislation. Doesn't make any sense. So we at the ABA and PA initiative are pushing for licensure in Pennsylvania to recognize behavior analysts as its own practice and regulated by the Board of Medicine. We've been pushing for this for two years and we were actually supposed to have our hearing. It was supposed to drop on the house floor. And then of course, hashtag COVID-19. <laughs> so it did not happen. So we are still pushing to get our hearing and to bring it to a vote both in the House and the Senate and to get it to pass in Pennsylvania. We know we still have some work to do, just like we have some a lot of work to do with the adult size changing tables, but there is a companion bill in the House and Senate for that as well. So as advocates and as a company, we're going to continue to push for both and we're not going to stop until we see them through. Awesome. Gosh, you guys are so passionate. I know, um, Christina and I have um, connected. We're gonna. There is no initiative for the um, for the changing, mm -hmm. you know, stations or whatever um, mm -hmm. here in Indiana and Kentucky where I am. So I'm gonna uh -huh. work with her and try to get started with that here as oh, well. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I think I'm so passionate about it. Although Skylar doesn't need to go on a changing table right mm -hmm. now, we have to. You know, I told her on when we were taping our episode. Um, it just all of the debacles we've had with family right. restrooms and just all of that stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's a challenge. So <laughs> it is. And honestly, when you think about it, the truth is we are all one accident or diagnosis away for needing yeah. that changing table. That's you know what true. I mean? I yeah. can be in a car accident on the way home 
and I could become paralyzed and I could be that person that needs that changing table. And where am I going to go? Right. Yep, we're, absolutely. we're all just a moment away from a disability. That's the truth. Yep, sadly, that is true. Um, yeah. Well, you know, gosh, there's just so much you're doing so much and I wish we could clone you and <laughs> put you in every state so we could be at <laughs> so together and work together. There's just so many things to do. And it's, I think, at least I can speak for myself. I just, mm -hmm. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know yeah. what to do first. You know, we don't really have an active support group here in my yeah. area for parents just to even talk to each other, vent to each other. Yeah. Everyone seems to have yeah. to go online mm -hmm. to um, other pages of people that aren't even in our state and maybe don't have yeah. the exact same Medicaid stuff that we have and all of that. So there's just so much to do. And it, I'm just trying to rally everyone around me to start stuff in their communities too, because we need more people like you who are vocal and, you know, making things happen because we can't just sit silently in our homes and, you know, not share our stories, not try to rally together and come up with right. some things right. to make life better for our kids. Right. Exactly. But this is why we share our story. You know, this is why we put our story out there, whether it's writing, speaking, connecting through Facebook or Zooms or whatever that is. We want to create more Kathy's and Lori's and Christina's. So others want to, as I was saying earlier, pass that torch on. Yeah. You know, we, we want to pass it to other parents and caregivers and the dads. I, I have to tell you, I <laughs> love doing support groups that have both moms and dads where I can get them to see each other's point of view and to listen to each other. I love, 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 love it. It's one of my favorite things to do, truly. Yes. It really is. Absolutely. Well, I guess to wrap up, I guess along those lines, my, my final question, I guess, would be um, if you have any advice for any listeners, we talked about it a little bit um, about writing their story or even starting a blog to, to share their story. You know, I know that when early on, you said it took you 20 years to actually put this um, in prison no more to, to paper and to get it out there. It didn't take me as long, but I, it was sitting down to actually write my story mm -hmm. that took me a while because I just kept saying to myself, like, you know, who cares? Like, right. really, what, what is my story? It's mm -hmm. probably the same as everybody else's. Yeah. You know, what, what do I have to share? And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that I did write my book mm -hmm. because the feedback I'm getting from families with children on the spectrum are like, oh my gosh, I can relate. Mm -hmm. And it makes them feel not so alone. Right. And for the people that can't relate, they're like, I had no idea. Like, wow, I'm so glad that you shared that because I didn't know that families go through some of the things that you're going through. So, yes. you know, if you, if someone was to reach out to you kind of nonchalantly and say, you know, I think I want to write my story, but I, I don't really know how to start, or I don't really know if I should, what advice would you give? Absolutely. So a few of my books actually allude to this, one of which would be Becoming an Exceptional Leader, which was released in early August that we talked about earlier. And that's a chapter I really enjoyed doing because I got to talk about exactly how I journeyed through becoming, um, some of my friends say, hashtag more than just a mom. Um, I went from that to having this career and calling, and it was a journey, but I talk about that in that chapter and how I became a speaker and a writer and how that evolved. And in reading books like In Prison No More or another one that I was a part of, You Are Not Alone, Stories, Resources, and Hope from Autism Moms, in that book, we give some resources and we talk about how do you form a support group in your area or how do you form a group um, within your school district? 
And in, in reading those stories, I would hope that they would inspire other parents and caregivers to want to take that next step, whether it's, you know, creating a group and finding that commonality with other parents and caregivers, whether it's sharing information about their school district, whether it's creating other innovative supports, maybe you wanna build a center in your community that provides you know, a wide array of services, a one-stop shop. Maybe you wanna write your story. Maybe you wanna start a podcast. Maybe you want to start a blog. And I would think that reading those stories would inspire people to take that next step. Um, I'm certainly available for anyone that would like to consult with me about kind of how to get that going, but. Ultimately, my advice is just to start, yeah. just write, just speak. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid to. In another interview I did this week, we talked about advocacy and um, what I would say to a parent who's looking to advocate, who says, I've never spoken to a politician before. What would I say to a legislator? How do I tell my story? What do I do if my child doesn't have someone to watch him or her? And my <laughs> advice was walk in, you vote, right? Walk in, just tell your story write it out, leave something with them, take your child with you, let them see who they are, personalize it. And the more you share, whether it's verbally or in writing, the more you share your story, the more you own it, the more you walk it, the more you breathe it, the more you become comfortable with it and the louder your voice gets. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm here to say too, I really think it's a great start to be a guest on a podcast or to guest blog for someone. Yes. Um, I, I am always looking for people who want to come on and share their stories. Mm -hmm. I think starting to talk about it, uh, several people have told me that they never spoke out. And then mm -hmm. when they did my podcast, they're like, wow, that, that actually felt good to talk mm -hmm. about it. And so that, you yeah. know, people could relate. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're here to help you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, again, I, I hope that we inspire more Kathy's and more Lori's and that we continue to help parents and caregivers come forward because another thing you said earlier was, what about my story? What's so special about my story? Who wants to hear what I have to say? You don't know who needs to hear your story. There's hundreds, maybe thousands of autism blogs, stories, podcasts out there. They haven't heard yours. That's right. what people need to take away from this. Each one is unique. There, there yes. may be similarities, but there is, you know, you said when you're reading my book that there were so many things that you could relate to, even though Christian oh, and yes. Skylar are probably opposite ends of the spectrum, but um, there's so much as a parent and what you're feeling that we can all yes. relate to. So absolutely. it's great. Yeah. We're all more well, alike than different. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. I know you're crazy busy with the book launch. Um, again, I will link up everything. Um, her new book, Catherine's new book is Imprisoned No More. Head to Amazon and get that. And um, I'll link up all your websites and your collections of other works that you've published. Um, yeah. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Lori. Thanks for having me. For sure. Well, enjoy the rest of your busy day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You as well. Okay. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.